It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, fresh off the Martin Luther King shootout weekend, Mike, one of my favorites of the year. Ah, I, who am I kidding? I'm, I'm coming um, around to your thinking on that, Joe. It was... Well, I mean, it's... Come on. It's like the worst kept secret is is how many coaches that play in them that complain to me about them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, gosh, I don't know why I do this. I, 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 I had three different coaches this weekend. Yeah, it's all these. And then I said to the coach, I, I, I said to the coach, I was like, "You say this every year." He goes, "I know." Uh, no, we're we're through the Martin Luther King weekend, Holly. I just, I just kind of feel like it's. I mean, I'm, they can play them. That's fine. I don't see the sense in playing so many games in a day and a weekend, but um, it just kind of seems forced. Like kind of a forced. Yeah, tournament tournaments are unnecessary. Some shootouts will be fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we got through that. We are right. And we just got through a big public league. We, we, we previewed the public league, the big, big, huge weekend or week uh, last week that where the city kind of took center stage. Um, any thoughts on that week? I don't know if that's going to be one of my takes. takes. Yeah, okay. I got an awful lot to say. It was fun. Yeah, week. good to be back. Yeah, all right, we'll keep that um, on the burner. But um, big week ahead to, too. Yeah, we got. Uh, we're going to start out with questions. Thanks, everybody. Got a, a good amount this week, so we are ready to go with some good questions. Then we'll do our two takes, and then we're going to look at the when sides collide shootout. Joe, it, it, I wonder who puts this thing together. They, they got some nice matchups. Yeah, full disclosure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I've been putting this together for, I don't know how many years we've been doing it, but, um, it, we do, you know, it was making the move last year to Bennett from Glenbard East and, uh, obviously it was canceled, postponed because of COVID and we're back at it at Bennett this Saturday, which we'll preview. I was talking to somebody about it just right before the podcast and somebody was saying they thought it was the best, um, lineup so far. And I, I think that's probably true. Like if you look at the whole, all the games, but the yeah. Brunson Eulis. Brunson Eulis was the, yeah. the big one that everybody was pumped up and excited about. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, uh, people, when people put these things together, they don't, I mean, they are done anywhere from 12 to 18 months in advance. So, um, you're not always sure what's going <laughs> to transpire in that 12 to 18 month period, but this one shook out pretty well. I will never forget my, my personal memory, not a fond one, is when Juliet West lost to Whitney Young by nine points. This was the Whitney Young team with Javon Freeman and Lucas Williamson, and we lost by nine, and we missed 27 yes. free throws. It was yes. painful, absolutely painful to watch. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, but other than that, it was a good game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could play with the state champions just fine. We could beat them if we could hit our darn free. Oh, that was, oh, it just, ugh. Anyway, Tavion Kirk's team. Yeah, Tavion Kirk and Trevian yeah. Bell and Eddie Creel was yeah. still there. Yeah. Um, before he turned, he was a junior, but 
Yeah, that team. Oh, and then they they were constantly <laughs> disappointing me while also being awesome. But um, all right, well, let's get into the these, questions. Yeah. yeah, let's get into these questions. Question number one: Brian from Glen Ellen. You'll be shocked to learn he's from Glen Ellen after you hear the question, since it's pretty much guaranteed that Glenbard West will run the table and finish with an undefeated <laughs> season. Who was the last team in Illinois to accomplish this feat? That's his first question. Well, Brian, the last team from Illinois to accomplish this feat is Seneca in 2006 in Class A. They were 35-0. and 0. I remember I went and checked that team out. And uh, before that, it was a really long time ago. It's never happened in the big school time in double, in well, in 3A or 4A. It was King. They were a double-A state champion in 1993. And interestingly, it also happened the year before that. 1992, Proviso East was 33-0. So we had back-to-back big school undefeated state champions. And then we have not had one since. I think well, we, 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 we've had a lot, you know, if you go back in history and you look at the state champions, there's a lot, not a lot of undefeated teams, but there's more in those 70s, oh, 80s and, yeah, and was, 90s. It was three years in a row. And right. And, okay, yeah. and one lost teams. And I, I think part of that is because the, the scheduling now is so different. They're, they're really, you know, these schedules are, Everybody's playing everybody, uh, more so than they ever did, you know, three, four decades ago. And, you know, that's a big part of it. And, you know, I have a thing for undefeated or unbeaten runs and under, it seems like I, whenever there is a team by February where we still have one alive, I do a story. You could probably Google Hendrickson undefeated and come up with all my stories that I've written. You know, I, th- there's been here and there. We've had a, you know, you remember the Frem team? The Frem team made it all the way. To Peoria, uh, unbeaten. That team, I believe, lost to Young um, in a state semifinal. So, good game, yeah. Yeah, it's a really rare thing in the last mm, two decades where a team has won, gotten, you know, made it through the regular season with an unblemished record, and then also to get to Peoria or Champaign to to be you know playing that uh, huge platform with a, that big undefeated mark. The I mean I think the biggest reason is that when the IHSA lifted the travel restriction and all the like especially the elite public league teams like Simeon and Young they're going all over the place now. Right. Um. You remember the 2012 Simeon team was 33 and one, and that loss was to Findlay Prep, which mm-hmm. I mean I think for all intents. And purposes, that was an undefeated right. team. That's not a real high school. Um, right. So I, I, maybe we should count. I mean, I don't know. Should we, I don't, <laughs> should we revisit that. this? Yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah, that's interesting. Go through all the teams that <laughs> yeah. would have been undefeated if they never left the state. Well, yeah, that's probably a good amount, especially some of those young teams, perhaps. Um, they might have picked up city tournament losses, actually. But Simeon, right. I know Derek Rose's team – that second year had two losses, but one was to Farragut, right? Um, yeah, so and I don't remember who the other one was too, actually. Oh, oh, I was I went to New York. You think I'd remember? Uh, yeah, they lost in Madison Square Garden um, to that NBA players team. Um, anyway, okay, uh, Brian. Second question: Who would win a, in a hypothetical one versus one matchup between Braden Huff and John Sherna? Who do you got? <laughs> 
Sherna just got so good so late and, and really took off even in college. Uh, oh, that's tough. I'm going to give, that's a really tough one-on-one question. Well, John Sherna's 31 now. So. Well, okay. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going, going high senior school? year John okay. Sherna yeah. versus senior year Braden Huff. Ah, they're both about similar size. I'm, I'm going to give it the edge to Huff, but it would be a close one. Yeah, I got Huff. I mean, Sherna was – he was very underappreciated, though, man. Yeah, like, he, he was a monster at the end of his high school career. He was. Like, took that team and slithered his way to the basket <laughs> all the way to a sectional championship, right? They lost in the Super. Is that right? I or did they lose in the section? I remember that he, like, immediately started every game at Northwestern as a freshman. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, I'll, I'll give Huff the edge. Yeah, me too. I agree. Um, oh, and do you think Glenbard West will, will do it, Joe? Will they run undefeated? I do not think they will. I mean, they've got some big games coming up starting this weekend with, with Young. Um, they've got obviously Kenwood, which will, you know, I, I just think it's going to be hard with the schedule they have, uh, to run the table. Yeah. Now that's not to say that they can't win a state championship. I mean, I, if you told me, Today, that Glenbar West is a state champion in, in March, uh, I would not be surprised, but I just don't think they'll run the table all the way. What do you, what do you think the odds are? What would you put the odds of at? Running the table? Running the table, if yeah. I'm, if yeah. I'm in Vegas and I have to create odds, I'm the bookmaker. I'm going to say 10, it's not going to be too bad. 12 to 1. I, you know, because I've been thinking more about it. I, I I feel like I don't have a good idea about the matchup this weekend against Young. We'll talk about that. But I like their matchup against Kenwood. I, I've seen, I, I don't. I've seen a lot of Kenwood last week, and Kenwood doesn't rebound. They have real issues there. And I think that could play. For the same reason I think Simeon would beat Glenbard West, I think Kenwood would have a lot more trouble. Um, Actually, the 12-1... to it's not a good – if I'm the bookie, I don't want it 12 to 1 because, I mean, a $100 bet, I'm paying 1200 I'm probably going to – yeah, I'll have to lower that. Yeah, I'm I was going gonna to take that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go 6 to 1. Yeah, I think that's good. Cut, cut it in half, 6 to 1. Yeah, because other than the Young and Kenwood games, which one, technically isn't even on the schedule yet, it's hard to see anybody else beating them in well, the regular yeah, season. But. Yeah. Uh, they they did drop an egg though. Remember the end of last season. The other thing to consider is once they if they can somehow like there's no top team in the state that has a clearer path. Yeah. No disrespect to Wheaton South or Bennett or whoever they would play in the super. Uh, they can get through that regular season. They're getting to. I mean, everybody in Glen Ellen's gonna be. I think I'm jinxing them, but they're getting to Champagne because I I just cannot see that. I mean, I don't know it's high school basketball anything gonna happen, but man, I mean, regional sectional, super sectional, they have a great path, and they're gonna be well prepared for that with the schedule they put together. We shall see so. something fun to watch. Um, question two, good friend Richie asks. Uh, what is the pr- this is the question I get via email like daily, so I figured we'd address it even though 
I know a lot of us are tired of it. Uh, what is the protocol for players wearing masks during games? I've been to a few games where a majority of the players on the floor have their masks around their chins, below their nose, and mouth while playing. It seems to defeat the purpose. Also, what is a mask timeout? Uh, the mask rule is an Illinois Department of Public Health rule. The players are supposed to be wearing their masks. They're supposed to be wearing them properly. So are the officials. So are the coaches. So are all of the fans. Clearly, the player, no players, pretty much, although a handful I've, I've seen actually do wear it. Uh, most of them, 99% do not. Um, it seems like most refs kind of do, but uh, the coaches do not. I, I don't know what yeah, the purpose is. I'd say the referees are about 90 plus percent. Yeah, they like rules. They're rule followers, Joe. <laughs> yeah, they do. They get, <laughs> uh, players, about 2%, if that. Yeah, probably lower. Yeah, uh, And a mask timeout, that is, you know, theoretically, they're all supposed to be wearing their masks, and there was concern that the children would pass out from having to wear their masks. <laughs> so there was supposed to be a mask timeout every corner, every quarter, in which the players would distance and remove their masks and catch their breath. But now mask timeouts, I always get coaches screaming, it's time for a mask timeout because they want a mask timeout. They don't want to use their ma- their timeouts, and then they just address it like a normal timeout. So it's. Um... I hate the timeout though. First, I mean it's it's timeouts are a bad thing in basketball. I'm telling you, when you watch college basketball, oh, so many to the TV timeouts at the 16, the 12, 14, I mean, eight and four. It's too many timeouts. It's awful. They get the first half timeouts. It's like it's awful. Too many timeouts. No doubt about it. As a man who tries to do the final minute live that turns into 27 minutes because of all the timeouts, it is a nightmare. Um, Next up is a good question here from Joe. I'm a little worried that our Joe did not prepare, but that's okay. I'm ready. Um, Thanks for all the great coverage and basketball content. Are there any good storylines from the Public League White Division this year? Are there any teams, players, or matchups that we should be aware of? Um... It's a pretty exciting season in the white division, and I'm. It's one of those things where I, there's a lot of teams I'd like to see. There's a lot of games I'd like to see. I just haven't been able to yet. Um, that happens for me later in the season. But I mean, the, there's a player, Lashawn Pollard. He is on vocational, and he's putting up like 20 points and 15 rebounds a game or something. Uh, he's got some college interest. Uh, I, I'm interested to go see him. He's an undersized post guy. He's six four, um, but vocational is only um, six and six uh, overall. They are three and two in the White South, so they're they're not they got a chance still. But there's a great two really good teams in the White South. Egg Science is eleven and four. They're undefeated in conference. They've been a consistently kind of decent lower level public league program for a while now. And then perspectives leadership we've talked about, you know, on the podcast, they had a great run at the dipper. They're 16 and four. Uh, They're five and one right now. So both those teams are the favorites for promotion in the white South. And then over in the white central, you've got Lindblom. We we spoke about them. I think briefly in the last podcast, they knocked off Palatine. They have uh, beaten some good teams this year. They're 14 and five and they're six and oh in the white central. Nobody else even has three wins. So it looks very likely that Lindblom uh, is headed on up next year. They have a new coach there who's doing a nice job, a uh, guy who's been an assistant around a lot of places before. And uh, Dunbar, 14-4. and four. You know, they're a small school that's done well the last few years. They're back at it. Um, they're just 2-1 and one in conference. I'd say those are the top ones to watch. Um, 
perspective, yeah. MSA is uh, undefeated in the White West. They're five and zero, oh, and there does there seems to be a little less action in the White West than usual. I'll usually kind of go there. The other player I would want to mention is Antoine Glasper at Collins. He's been lighting it up for a few years, and I will get to, I will see him this season for sure. He's high on my list. I'm looking forward to that. Another player at Lindblom who overlooked. No one knows. No one talks about his name. Is Zach Royster. Uh, good one. Six, six, uh, for Lynn Bloom. So yeah, there's always some hidden gems in there. Boy, you know? I mean, Zach Royster has been a regular feature in the, uh, he's a consistent <laughs> lead scorer for Lynn Bloom for sure. I guess the other player to mention, Donovan Jones at Solorio, mm-hmm. um, they're five and four. They've had some interesting scores. He's a solid player. Um, yeah, I, I there's a lot. I'd really like to see some more. It's, it's just, it's tough with the way it, you know, it matches up with always the big red public league games. Um, so it's going to take a little work on my part, but we'll get around and see some of this stuff. I, I'm excited to see some teams. Um, great question, Joe. Thanks for that. That was fun. Um, I guess one other thing I wanted to mention, because I was talking to some coaches about it, um, specifically Lindblom, because um, not a lot of people want to play them <laughs> in the public league especially, but they're, they're heavy seniors. And so everybody's like, well, they're going to get up and then go right back down. And this is a constant issue with the relegation and the promotion mm-hmm. and relegation in the CPS. And it made me wonder, and I wanted to throw this out to Joe, um, do you think it might make sense to do it on a two-year? Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, I, I mean, it gives you a little bit more of, of, of a way to build a program. You know, hey, we've got – this group of seniors, but we've got some lower level kids that, you know, those seniors go away. Cause it is, that's what happens a lot, you know, and, and, uh, I like, I think you and I have talked about it on the podcast. We, it's kind of a cool concept. It's different. It's, it really gives teams something to play for at the bottom. Not that high school teams are tanking like the, pro sports are but i mean they're 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 battling and fighting to to stay out of there you know and in the red and then you're white or scratching and clawing to move up so yeah i mean that makes sense you know what i mean so you you can because if you're because if you're building your program and your goal is to get to the red and you're working your way towards that and you hit the mother load with a group great group of seniors and you do so hopefully along the way you have, you know, built your program up to the point where, you know, your lower levels are, are doing decent, but there might be that year where, you know, it is senior dominated and you got a bunch of sophomores the next year that kind of hold their own. And then when they're juniors, you know, they, they can compete and play and, and, uh, maintain their, their spot in the red. So it, it, yeah, it it's tough because it's not even the last place team anymore. It's the last two. Mm-hmm. Two go up and two go down, and I mean another storyline to watch: Marshall or Lincoln Park or Farragut <laughs> is going down mm-hmm. this year. Schurz is probably going to be, you know, for sure the bottom of the Red Northwest. And I mean Marshall is one and nine overall. It seems like it's going to be them, and that would What's be the, something. Now, yeah, Marshall's been you know a little bit on the limelight for a little bit here. What's the biggest power program that's ever? Drop down. Westinghouse? But that was... Yeah, it's like... Yeah. Um, I mean, if Farragut were to go, that would be... To me... Barely survived the last few years. And they're going to be... It's going to be a challenge this year. 
Right. Um, Bogan's about to go down, and we might never see them again. Crazy. They're 0-5 already. Um, Corliss is 0-4. They both could go, and we'll never see them again. Um, I mean, you're talking about a program that finished second in the state two years ago? Two programs that have been in Peoria. Two years ago have just been how much Bogan coverage have we given over the past decade? Yeah. Yeah. Arthur Goodwin was uh, carrying an awful lot on his back there. Heart and soul of that program. Yep. All right. Question four um, from Adam. This is the last question of the mailbag. Why all the sudden disrespect for West hoops. I'm assuming he means Glenbard West. I understand Simeon had a good win against Kenwood, but West has been taking care of business against a schedule that doesn't get as much credit as it should. Early in Meadows, a game that was never close, Glenbrook South, Bennett, Lions, Leo. I try to make the Illinois High School basketball landscape... Oh, I get trying to make the Illinois High School basketball landscape more interesting, but if you want to elevate Simeon ahead of West because of one game, then I'd argue this is merely contrived. Well, Adam... I've thought about this a lot more than you, clearly. Um, These are my issues. Well, first off, it's not one game from Simeon. It's what they did to Curie in the Pontiac title game and then what they did to Kenwood at Kenwood. Um, They've been spectacular. Simeon is so much better now than they were at the start of the season. It's not even funny. And schedule-wise, I mean, the issue with Glenbard West for me is the two – Top teams they've played, those games came down to the final second. They had two really tight games. The Glenbrook South one could have gone either way. It was Glenbrook South missing a couple shots at the end, and they lost. And the Hillcrest game, which I think more people saw. Um, it's true. So they, they've had tough, you know, two really tight games. Simeon has not. Um, they dominated the two best teams they played for long stretches. Uh, for Curie, kind of the whole game. And I just, right now, I don't think anyone's playing any better than Simeon. Uh, I think their schedule's extremely strong. Um, their only loss is to a, a team called, I don't know, Dream Christian or something from Arizona that has postgraduates. They have kids older than high school. Simeon has not lost to a high school team. They beat Matter Day. Um, they got some, you know, the wins in Minnesota. Who knows about those? Um, the new Trier win was their one close game. Obviously very close. But that was a little interesting to me because they did turn it on and just crush Nutrier for a four-minute, you know, spurt there where they got back in the game after being down by a ton. So they, they never seemed like they were – I mean, it was a bad first half, I guess. But anyway, um, two big wins out of state this last week with that Gil St. Bernard, which I believe Young has also beaten, and uh, Woodrow Wilson team from D.C. I know absolutely nothing about that they won by 13. Um, but winning, beating Kenwood at Kenwood is, is something. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I, I got the gist of what you posed the question, and it's worth posing because of how what you just discussed and described is Simeon playing so well. But my, I guess I'm adding a take. My take, uh, it would be if Glenbard West had really not played or looked the part of a number one. I, I think they have over the course of the year. They, they, they've they've played a tough schedule. I'm not going to discount them beating good teams by small margins. I, you know, if, if that team, you know, sometimes you you, you get you you're anointed number one, and you really don't kind of play like number one. And, and and if Simeon is doing what they're doing, then I totally get it. But I think 
right now, Glenbard West is clearly still number one. Uh, I shouldn't say clearly, but they, they deserve to be number one. And they'll get a big test this weekend with Young. Um, but yeah, I mean, those two teams, Simeon, what they've done is pretty impressive. Uh, but yeah, that, that, I mean, New Trier, yes, they came back, but New Trier had them beat. I mean, it, it, it was, it was done. It was, I mean, and Simeon, to their credit, pulled it out. So they did have that, you know, that, but to me, I, nobody's a bigger fan of New Trier than I am. I think New Trier is as good as every team in our, in the rankings. I, I believe that. I've thought that from the start. Um, taking that Glenbrook South game out of the equation for many different reasons for health and no coach and no point guard. And, and I, I think Nutria beats Glenbrook South the next time they play. But, uh, so I guess that's another feather in the cap of Simeon in my mind that they, yes, they, they were beaten and came out of the, uh, the depths of despair and came and back one in overtime. But that's a really good Nutria team they beat in a, in a high stakes game at Pontiac. I'm looking forward to this stretch now. New Trier, I don't know if any beats out on the paper. I think it was out of the rankings too. Their next five games are all super tough. And uh, Joe's mentioned that before, his opinion on New Trier. And I, my issue with them, they haven't beat a single team that's in the rankings. So it's hard for me, rankings-wise, for them. They just don't have that win. But they're going to have some several chances to get it. Over the, and they've started this uh, stretch out great. They beat Bolingbrook by what? Jeez, it was like the twenty points or more. Yeah. <laughs> what was it yesterday? It was like sixty-five to thirty-six or something crazy. Um, so that that's a great start to that. You know, Bolingbrook might—they're not in you know great form right now, but that's a talented team. That's a really nice win for Nutrier. So Nutrier rips off these four more wins after that. I'll see what they can do with them. But yeah, that's been my issue. They just don't have that um, signature win. Although they gave who I think is the best team right now. They're only tough test. Toughest game, yeah. Uh, of the um and bo- and as you said, they were ahead by what? Fifteen? Yeah. They were up in the by second a half, ton yeah. in the third quarter. Um yeah. all right. Uh two takes. You want to start off, Joe? Yeah, my first take, you know, last week we really touched on the public league a lot. Uh as I was kind of scrolling through looking at different conference races and uh, it, it, things are really interesting in the Chicago Catholic League. Uh, it, it, and it sets up for what should be just a terrific, you know, six week stretch here, uh, coming up. You've got in the Catholic blue, Brother Rice, Leo, Loyola, St. Rita, all unbeaten in league play. The team that we were raving about last week and, and, um, I was debating, I kind of was edging towards Brother Rice as the favorite. Uh, Mike, I think mentioned Mount Carmel kind of being the favorite. They do meet later in the year, but that was a team that was undefeated overall and most definitely a team that was, you know, considered to be the favorite. And you still got to Paul. So, I mean, that group of teams in that one, you know, six teams, uh, is just going to be kind of fascinating to watch to see how that plays out when they start playing each other. And, you know, you also have, and the Catholic League split up into the Catholic blue and the Catholic white. And, you know, St. Ignatius is, is a team that of all the public or all the Catholic League teams was the most hyped at the beginning of the year. And they stumbled and it's been up and down for the better part of two months. And now they seem to really have turned the corner. 
And they get a tough one this weekend as well on the road and what should be a, a tough atmosphere against Bennett. So this Catholic league, um, is, you know, I'm not going to say it's the best it's ever been. I'm not going to, but it is just super intriguing. And there are a lot of high hopes in all those programs as they kind of maneuver their way through these final weeks of the regular season and kind of plant a seed for, you know, sectional seeding time and where, because they kind of branch out a little bit. And my, my take is that there's so many quality teams in the Catholic league that, and, and maybe not that one dominating one, but a lot of them have the makeup because they're going to be dispersed into different sectionals and regionals to really make a lot of noise when March rolls around. Yeah. Uh, Leo too. I'm going to see them tonight against Hillcrest in a little bit, but yeah, that your point about, I mean, we talked, I think, in the beginning of the season a lot about how we thought the Catholic League might be stronger than the Public League this year overall. But what what's happened is, especially with Mount Carmel's, you know, kind of butt-whooping uh, that St. Ignatius gave them on Friday night, there isn't, I don't feel there's an elite team in the Catholic League. I think they're all second tier. And at the beginning of the year, I thought St. Ignatius was definitely going to be elite. I thought Brother Rice had a really good chance. I thought St. Rita possibly by the end of the year could be there. You know, it looked like Mount Carmel, like I said, might be. And I, I think that's a little disappointing. I mean, you know, Brother Rice barely beat Romeoville the other day by three. They've lost to Wheaton South, and they're looking like the best there. So that that's my yeah. little disappointment. I, yeah, I think Brother Rice is a year away from being a dominant team. Uh, I just wrote about that in my column this week, three-pointer column, that you know, every single player is back next year. So I do think they're a year away from potentially evolving into that, you know, dominant top five type team. Uh, what's interesting when you do the Catholic League public league comparison it would be what if you were to take the t- I just rattle off one, two, three, four, five, six, throw Ignatius in there. The top seven plus Michael O'Brien's best bound to be 20 lost team in DLSL, uh, would be your eighth team. If you took the top eight in the public league and just paired them up, one versus one, two versus two, well, let's just keep it at seven, a best of seven. What, how would it shake out with seven Catholic League teams versus seven public league teams, best versus best, and you go right down the row, one, two, three, four, five, five, six, seven. Five to two CPS at least. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to Simeon, get, uh, Kenwood, Young, Curie all win easy. That's four right there. Then you got Hyde Park and Orr. Yeah, I'm not so sure they win. But they'd be against the five and six. Loyola. Yeah, I don't... Maybe Leo. Yeah, although I will say, maybe St. Ignatius is going to be that now. You know, maybe they've turned the corner here, and they'll, by the end of the year, be that elite team. I mean that was a just a dominant beatdown among Carmel at home. It ruined my Friday night. You know, you only get so many Fridays in the season and I, I it was not a good game <laughs> in any way. I mean Mount Carmel was not in that thing at all. And to do that to an undefeated team at home in mid January, um pretty impressive. So maybe Ignatius is gonna turn it around. They got a what could be a tough one for them at the uh, the Jesuit Cup, you know, that's always tough against Loyola. Um Yeah, they played this weekend. Thanksgiving. And uh, Loyola beat Ignatius back in 
November. November. And th- this one's at, it's not at the Wind Trust, I think. It's going to be at the UIC. UIC. Yeah. I feel like the Jesuit Cup hasn't been there. And, well, maybe when it was in the Elite Classic or something. But anyway, um, I guess I got to give a take here. Um, my take uh, is on the Simeon Kenwood game. Kind of a, 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 I learned a lot about both those teams. I mean, I'd seen Simeon plenty of Pontiac, but Kenwood, I saw them against Simeon at home and against Curie, <coughs> excuse me, at Curie. They pulled that one off. And first off, I want to get this off my chest um, because I think I may be uh, the Chicago area. I was the Chicago area's premier Darren Dayday Ames skeptic, I would say, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, I just hadn't seen it. Obviously, he was a good player, but I hadn't seen top three in the class, top five in the class type guard stuff out of him. Um, it just hadn't been there in any of the games I'd seen. Which, you know, we didn't get much of a year last year. I saw him once at Clemente, so sophomore year stuff and early this year. Well, he had a week. Um, they did not win the game against Simeon, but he was very good. And a Kenwood team with a lot of good players on it, he was clearly the alpha dog. And that's the kind of atmosphere and the kind of game where nothing can be faked. Trey Pettigrew had a lot of trouble. Um at just period in that game. Um, and he's a, you know, division one senior that's played all over the country, you know, at a massive prep school program and that kind of stuff. And it was very clear to see just how good Darren Ames was. And it's not like he was perfect in that game. He had made mistakes or whatever, but I'm on board. I've seen it. I get it. Um, with day day, Darren Ames. He's <laughs> so, a, he's a bucket better. getter, yeah. uh, who doesn't have any, fear and how he's going to score the ball. You know, he shoots it. It comes out of his hand. You, you know, this is the evaluator. I mean, it comes out of his hand and you expect it to go in. Um, he, he's just got a knack for putting the ball in the hole. So yeah, he, he's a dynamic scoring guard. I mean, with Avian Morris in his face, it was very difficult. And, he, and see, these are some of the issues you got to work on. He got a technical in the first minute because Avian Morris was annoying him, <laughs> which, I mean, that's going to happen. So he's got a lot to work on there, but yeah, that, that's been, that was good for me this week. Um, Miles Rubin, the other thing I want to say, oh my goodness. Um, Wes Rubin is the, is the twin that starts, but Miles Rubin and his shot blocking and some of the other things he does, it's going to be interesting to see how these, you know, brothers kind of emerge. And we got a whole other season with them, but Miles mm-hmm. Rubin coming off the bench. Oh my gosh. For a high school basketball team to have that. I mean, that's, that yeah, of, I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's interchangeable. You got a pair of six, eight kids. You know, my, you know, Miles does not start. He's always been hate to start a sibling rivalry, but uh, but I've always had Miles Rubin, you know, uh, slightly ranked in my rankings ahead of of Wesley Rubin in, in the player college prospect rankings. Both very good. Both going to be Division one players, yes, but uh, yeah, his upside too is is oh, is pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah, Wes is more dependable right now. You know, he's going to make the post basket, but the spectacular on Miles is definitely something to watch. Um, Michael Ratliff, Joe has a story coming up on Simeon and Jalen Drain, uh, mentions Michael Ratliff off the bench is the other guy for Simeon. Mm-hmm. Simeon's got some dynamic depth that other teams. Un- uh, underrated don't. depth. Yes. Underrated depth. They're not, you know, well, Miles is a little bit different, but I mean, they're not. Not these bigger names. They're not um, big time prospects. They're not even, you know, some of those great Simeon teams of the past where they'd have a kid off the bench who was super young but a freak talent. Uh, it's not even that. You know, it's just these these steady glue guys that 
really make that team something. Uh, it was a special so. game for sure. Simeon, the way they won in kind of dominant fashion, Kenwood made it was able to make it a game at the end, but it wasn't really convincing <laughs> at all. And it seemed like about in the middle of the fourth quarter, maybe early fourth quarter, Simeon had broken them. I mean, this is an amazingly talented team at home in a sold out packed crazy gym and to break a team spirit like that. I mean, I'm, I'm just not sure a lot of people understand how good Simeon is right now. And that's my take. My next one is probably a, a repeat take from three, four years ago. I, I, I just, it was like deja vu and I was thinking of this, but, uh, I, I, Mike and I always tend, like to, you know, highlight players and teams that, that are a little under the radar, uh, that don't get much notoriety, haven't been powerhouses and are doing some special things and unique things for their high school and community. And, um, you know, one of those is Andrew and we, we haven't talked about Andrew at all. Um, you know, historically it's been a tough basketball job program to kind of consistently win. And, uh, Dave Wilson there has done a terrific job. I remember I, I was looking back, I think it was, yeah, it was 20, 17, 18 season. They went 19 and nine. Um, and they went and lost in a regional championship game to West Aurora as a number seven seed. I wanted to look and see kind of where they were seed wise because this year they're 13 and three. We haven't discussed or talked about them and they're in a sectional that is not deep at all. And it's really not even top heavy. Uh, Oswego East will clearly be, well, as right now, clearly be the top seed in the Oswego sectional. But Andrew is positioning themselves. If they can kind of finish strong up to the seeding meeting to put themselves in a position to win a regional, which has only happened twice in school history. Uh, the last one coming, I wrote it down here, um, 20, 2012, I believe. I'm, I'm on the, the Jabril uh, Atacoya years. Yeah. yeah. They were 24 and three, yeah, in 2011, 2012. But only two regional titles in school history and they are off to 13 and three start. They're first place right now in, in the, uh, top of the Southwest Suburban Red. They've got a, you know, I know Bolingbrook has struggled here of late and getting beat pretty bad by people, but Andrew has a win over Bolingbrook. And right now, Bolingbrook is uh, still a top four seed in that Oswego sectional, which, well, again, we'll put them in a position, Andrew, to, to maybe win that regional championship, which is a big deal at a, at a program like that. Um, you know, Mike Morowski is averaging 17 points, eight rebounds a game. Uh, Zane Jube is a, a shooter, 42% from three. He's averaging 13, 14 a game. So Andrew, uh, is a, just a team that no one's talked about. No one's written about. They're not a juggernaut. They're not a world beater. Uh, and they're going to have to scratch and claw for every win going forward and every win in the postseason. But it's just an interesting story because of just kind of the, the history that I've brought up here and, and how difficult it's been. And, and Dave Wilson's done a great job with that program. Yeah, he does. Ever since I went and first watched one of the teams, Dave Wilson coached Andrew, I don't know if it was, it was Evan, was it Yerkes or mm -hmm. his name? Uh, three or four years ago. Um, I watched that team. They were just fun to watch. I liked the way they played. It was really clear how well coached they were. Um, he's 
he's just made Andrew into one of those teams you can't take for granted. And it looks like when he gets a couple halfway decent players, they're really tough. Um, man, there's so, I'm getting overwhelmed, Joe. It's mid January and there's a lot of teams I need to see. And I feel like there's not any time. I mean, just it's, it's all ending quickly here. I need more days. Yeah. February is always, I mean, it is the public league shuts up shop. The city title game is the 12th. I mean, it's in like three weeks anyway. Um, the city it's a 12th. When's the regional opener? Uh, last week of Feb because everything's early. So it's gotta be like, uh, okay. You're right. Yeah. The season is, it's, it just feels like it's all ending very quick. And there's like 40 teams. I want to go see. I have this huge list. Um, Next, uh, my second take, a team I have already seen. I got out to see them early because I was pretty excited about them. Uh, it's Lamont. They, uh, I don't, do they still call themselves the Indians? I don't know. They might be one of our non-nicknamed uh, teams, but everybody was excited about them at the start of the year. They had a good year, a good little weird season with a young team. They got the superstar, sophomore, Noyes Indrositis. And uh, the Castillo brothers are a ton of fun to watch if you see them. And they opened the season with a loss to Bradley, Bourbonnet. And that loss, I mean, it wasn't horrible at the time. It was maybe the best game of the opening night. But Bradley Bourbonnet has come on and had some nice scores. You know, not a super rock solid, you know, season. But they're they're a tough team. And for a young team like Lamont, not bad to lose there. Then they went and lost to Romeoville in game three. And they're, you know, one and two. Um, it was a close game, you know, then I saw them you know, a few days later and, you know, Rick Runas, the coach talked about how it, they've been underwhelming that, you know, he didn't like the effort level, the energy level. Well, they didn't lose all the way until December 28th again. And they gave Rolling Meadows, maybe their closest game recently. Uh, it was a 67 59, uh, game at York. Um, then they lost to Batavia in the consolation whatever but since then they've ripped off some pretty good wins they knocked off they dominated a richards team that has put a scare into a lot of people 82 to 43 then the big one they beat lake forest 50 to 44 now they've beaten notre dame and st pat's back to back and it looks like this is a very talented young team that's starting to gain steam and i think it's something we need to keep an eye on because by the time we get to the playoffs this is going to be you know just they have upside. I feel like there's a lot of teams right now that have topped out and we're seeing how good they are. And I think Lamont is a team with a real superstar with a lot of upside. That's exciting to watch. That's going it, to, it's great to see them get on a run now and start to maybe be the team we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. And what, where are they at in March? Excellent question. I'm assuming they're four uh, A, right? Or are they three? I think they might be three. Ooh. I'm not finding them in four. Yeah. Okay, the Marian Catholic sectional. Ooh, it's... Ooh, wow. It might be the best section. Oh, wow. Listen to this. Uh, Marian Catholic, Hillcrest, Thornton, Kankakee, Lamont, Oak Forest, Richards, and Tinley Park. That's loaded. Yeah, that's a good three-year sectional. Uh, Kankakee, uh, they're another team I kind of wanted to see and talk about. They've been really good since they got everybody back. Um, wow. Egg Science and Brooks, you know, aren't too bad um, in there. It's, you know, Thornton's still, uh, or Thornwood is still 4A. But, uh, wow. Look at the, are you looking at the IHSA? Yeah. Site? 
Look at the TBA sectional right above that one. <laughs> Ignatius. Oh, yeah, it's the Chicago. It's, yeah. <laughs> Ignatius and everybody else. It's well, what I wow. what I don't understand is why all the Chicago I, I don't get why Chicago spread out over four sectionals. Yeah. Why did why are they in this one with Antioch? It's ridiculous. Well, I, mean, I guess I got to send them somewhere though. Well, then Glenbard South, Nazareth and Hinsdale from the Hinsdale South one should be I, 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 I just put them, put them all with the, each other. You mean? Yeah, and I don't get why. I count up. There's three there, plus St. Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, to me, it would make a lot more sense to have Nazareth and Fenwick in the same sectional. <laughs> then yeah. I don't understand why Antioch and. Well, I'm just saying if Ignatius keeps playing the way they're playing right now. <laughs> They are in uh, good shape come good March. Form. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they should have possible super against Lake Forest. Um, would be the uh, would be a good one if they can find hosts <laughs> for these sectionals. Yeah. And they don't even have a super sectional host for that. Wow, I didn't realize that one. That's yeah. uh, we need some hosts uh, out there. Somebody step up, boy. There, but the problem is there aren't many big gyms. If Ignatius doesn't want to do it, those are small, tiny little gyms. Um, boy. Yeah. Ignatius, yeah, come on. They should do it. They're hosting a regional, so I guess they can't. Ah. Uh... Wow. So the section at Westinghouse, I guess, would be the biggest one left. Um, anyway, Elmwood Park, maybe. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh... They're, they're still trying to find a regional. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Host. Yeah, glad, glad that, this isn't my problem. Um, that poor sectional. I got n- nobody wants anything. This ad on this page is huge, and I have an ad blocker. Like, what is with this massive? It like takes up the whole first part of the. Why does the IHSA like need this money? Anyway, um, you gave your second take, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm, I got distracted by all this. Let's. Uh, we're gonna take a preview here of the. It's funny. I've got my Apple. My uh, sorry. My Google Maps open with my trip to Hillcrest because I'm in Joliet doing this podcast and I'm really worried about missing the game. And so we've got literally 13 minutes tops here for this guys. Um, I got to get in the car and get over to a country club Hills as I watch traffic build. Um, But the the one sides collide shootout, it's going to be hopefully the top regular season day of the year. I get some high hopes for these games. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I won't be able to see the last one because I'm going to have to be writing. I got two pages of the paper reserved for the, Big clash, and I want to get right into the big one. Um, well, I guess now it's it's worked out well for you, Joe, that I'm not even sure what the big one is. Right. I mean, those two in the middle, yeah. uh, Glenbrook South, Simeon, which is two and four in your rankings. Yep. And obviously number one, Glenbard West, Whitney Young. And what I think is cool about that one, you know, when it was put together, you know, it was Braden Huff and AJ Casey and that, you know, couple of big guys and highly ranked and high major recruits and but what's materialized here is it's not very often that young gets to be the team that is revved really wanting a shot at somebody usually it's kind of the other way around everybody kind of wants a shot at Whitney Young uh, I get the feeling that they have they are really they've circled this one and are really fired up to play a team 
that that was anointed number one in the preseason that went out and beat everybody all summer and uh, has gotten a whole bunch of praise and hype and young is kind of laying the weeds and they licking their wounds from some out of state losses. Uh, but they get their crack, they get their shot at the number one team in the suburbs. It will be from all of the things that have been materialized or transpire here in the last week or two with the <laughs> fan interest. Uh, Young is going to be playing in front of a pretty pro Glenbard West crowd. Uh, they are fired up for that team as they should be. And it just kind of, it, it brings the new and the old together as far as powers. And, uh, it sets up nicely, you know, uh, and I, size wise, they both got size. Uh, you know, Dalen Davis, I think is going to be the key. Uh, you know, Glenbard West doesn't play with the prototype traditional point guard. Uh, Young plays well when Dalen Davis plays well in the backcourt. So I think he's going to be pivotal in, cause I think they've got some size to help neutralize at least a little bit, but Braden Huff. Um, you know, Braden Huff is a different type of star. He's not your, you know, he's not your 27 point per game guy, yet he impacts the game in a way that few other guys do because his passing is, is terrific. Uh, it's, it's off the charts for a big. Um, and then defensively his size, you know, protecting the rim and the basket. You know, and, the, and then the other key, I think, is how Young attacks and handles, which no one has been able to do, that one three one of Glenbard West with that size and length that they play with. Yeah, and boy, do we need to see Glenbard West play some length. You know, Hillcrest had it, and it gave him troubles. Glenbrook South, you know, they had Martinelli down there, and he was focused on trying to stop Huff and do that, and it gave problems. And Young is going to have multiple options. Um to give them problems, not just, you know, Xavier Amos and AJ Casey. And I'm hearing stuff that Daniel Johnson might be close to back. Have you heard anything Mm -hmm. about that? Which would be a big deal. And then Somerville as well. Um, So yeah, they have got some definite size that it's not going to be like these other games in Glenbard West has kind of just rolled out there and done it. And you're right, Joe, Dalen Davis, I mean, all season, you know, he's going to be, if he has a good game, they're going to be real tough, but yeah, you're right about that. Young's going to be the team with the chip on their shoulder um, mm-hmm. here. If anything, Glenbard West should be mailing me a check uh, for uh, <laughs> talking Simeon up recently, hopefully giving them a little spark because I'm sure it's gotten – it's tough to keep the motivation up for a long high school basketball season when you're dominating everybody. Um, and Glenbard West is going to get a nice test. Uh, the other game, Simeon-Glenbrook South. <sighs> Boy, the way Simeon's playing, it's tough for me to see it but we've seen what Glenbrook South can do to great teams over the last few years and you know they're going to have a great plan uh, Nick Martinelli Martinelli though it's going to be tough for him with those Rubens in there yeah I mean the thing that people are underestimating not it's people that have watched a lot of Simeon aren't but they're so good defensively and that and Rob Smith talked about that too uh just what they the pressure they can apply you know that's what got them back in that new Trier game is they, you know, they're not known to be or traditionally this, this relentless pressure, full court defense of team that Simeon, that's not them, but they've always played 
terrific half court. And when they've had to extend and really get after it and turn it up, they can. So it'll be interesting to see when they do that, how they do that. Uh, obviously they've got the Cooper Nord and, and, and Nick Martinelli are 40 a night. Uh, you know, my thing is can Simeon negate one of those two and really make them an average player on that night? Because Glenbrook South to beat a team like Simeon is going to need all 40 plus from those two. Uh, because there's just, that's just how they're built. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how they, that's how they roll. And, and that's what they, uh, their, their strength is. But, you know, Avion Morris is a defense. I mean, I'm writing about my preview. I put a $20 bill on it that he's going to be harassing Cooper Nord. Yeah, that's what I was about to, yeah. I mean, they're going to pick who they put him on. And I, you've got to, you'd assume it's Cooper Nord. And that's going to be the worst day of his life. Um, it's going to be tough for Cooper Nord out there. I mean, Cooper Nord does have the arsenal. Man, he can he can pull up from just about anywhere he wants. Mm-hmm. So so that'll help. And I'm sure that Phil Ralston and the Titans are going to have a plan to try and free him up. So that's going to be. I mean, that's one of the fun things um, that's developed this season. When you go to a Simeon game, right away, watch who Avion Morris is guarding, and it's going to tell you an awful lot about how Simeon, you know, is approaching the game. And, you know, Nick Martinelli, he's proven time and time again, you know, he might score 50. Maybe Cooper will only get 15 <laughs> and they'll get there. But it's going to be super fun. And the supporting cast at Glenbrook South has, has been rapidly improving all year. That was the key against Nutrier. You know, everybody was hitting shots. So if they're hitting their three or their threes, maybe they're, you know, the Rubens and some other stuff can be negated. Um, but that's gotten tougher for me over the last week. But those two games in particular, just that the whole sub- – the, the suburban power versus city power. Uh, it's just, th- those are fun. That's what, you know, I, I, I love Simeon Kenwood and I love the old days of Simeon Bogan. It, it, it's, it's a, a, a unique, unbelievable, intense rivalries within the public league. But when those schools branch out and, and, and play different styles, a credit to, you know, Tyrone Slaughter and Rob Smith for not only going around the country and playing, to obviously they, they, they get to do that. The other programs don't, but also venturing out to events and games like this, uh, for the high school basketball fan, the suburbs to see, as well as to, to play a different style and a different type of team in the suburbs. Uh, New Trier, Yorkville, Christner, Christian, sorry, is the opener at 2.30. You got Jaden shooting his, uh, Mustangs who have been, you know, they've played a rugged schedule and picked up a nice win against Orr, gave Glenbrook South all it could handle. Those are really positive signs for this team. Big, big uh, shot in the arm for them. For They've gotten mauled on, on, on several occasions against some of those big opponents. Still a big underdog in this one. The unique thing I like about it, 1A school versus 4A school uh, is always pretty fun. Uh, Bennett versus St. Ignatius is the nightcap, I We'll be sitting there, but I won't be able to watch this, unfortunately. Um, you got big man uh, Kyle Thomas, who just committed to Eastern Illinois, who I've enjoyed watching play this season after kind of missing out on him um, early in his high school career. He's been an interesting player to me. Uh, Bennett just, you know, we do rip the Martin Luther King stuff, but there was a big crowd at that Wheaton South Bennett um, title game at Wheaton South. That was fun to see. A lot of students, too. It looks like it was a really good environment. Bennett was leading in that game for definitely at halftime, but I think for most of three quarters, and then... Wheaton South laid the hammer down, but um, 
So I think Ignatius I, clearly the favorite in this one. Yeah, but I think it's an important game for Ignatius because of this yeah. momentum they have going to keep it going. This is not going to be easy because Bennett, I, they'll have a crowd. They'll, they, they get great crowds. They're tough to beat at home. Uh, and we know it's a well coached team at Bennett and a team that's capable of, you know, they've got some losses here. They have not been able to beat the, they've beaten everybody they're supposed to be, supposed to beat and they have not beaten the teams, uh, that, you know, have been ranked. They're yeah, very 0 and rare five. This season. Yes. Yeah. They're <laughs> 0 and five against the teams yeah. that are ranked. So another shot for Bennett. And, but I just think it's a momentum thing for St. Ignatius to keep them on this roll. Well, that's the thing. We don't know what their momentum is going to be because the uh, Jesuit Cups the night before. Yeah, Friday night. Yeah. So they could be on a super huge high, you know, turn the season around and just beating Loyola after losing to them. Or it could be, oh, geez, we have to find ourselves again after right. that. And it does seem like Ig- Ignatius, they're interesting kids. Um, You know, talking to them after the game, they, they definitely – they're a lot more heady than a lot of super talented teams I've covered. I mean, and no surprise, you know, St. Ignatius is one of the best schools in the country. Um, so it's, it's interesting to watch that, um, kind of, cause they're very aware of everything a lot more than the normal high school basketball kids. Um, Richard Barron, boy, Joe, I know he was just on an Illinois visit, um, a couple of days ago. He's a, he's an odd player, but he was, <laughs> he was very good. Um, he's just, you know, He's, it's like if somebody put Nate Manoy out on the perimeter. <laughs> He's battled, I mean, I, I raved about him in Thanksgiving. He went, went off against Lake Forest and Asa Thomas, uh, when I was watching him. And then he's had some hiccups. And for, so it seems like he is, you know, uh, been able to put them on, on his shoulders a little bit here. He sure, I mean, he was just draining three pointers all over the place against Mount Carmel. And, you know, he can get to the rim, obviously, do all sorts of things, but, yeah, he's a, he's an interesting player. Fun to watch. That'll be a great game. Um, 10, I think it's, what do you say? It was $10 for this? Uh, yes. Simeon Kenwood itself was 10 bucks. <laughs> this is four games. Um, it's going to be an awesome day. It is at Bennett. I know a lot of you have probably, um, checked it out at Glenbard East over the last few years. So don't drive to Glenbard East. I'm kind of afraid I will. I'm going to have to like put a note on my phone or something, go to Bennett, because I, I I'm picturing it, and I'm still picturing Glenbard East. But we're going to be at Bennett. Uh starts at 2.30 with that new Trier-Yorkville Christian game, and it should be a fantastic, fantastic day of basketball. A lot of good stuff this week I don't have time to get into, because i got to get to uh, Country Club Hills. But we'll be back next week with our annual stock report we're gonna you know buy sell hold whatever on these teams because i think we're gonna know a lot more at this time uh next week thanks for listening everybody